the coaches and quarterbacks of the Big 12 College Experience. Part of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by Circus Sports. Circus Sports is back with their Circus Survivor and Circus Millions contest. $14 million up for grabs. Get all the details at circusports.com. Welcome, everybody, back to the Big 12 College Experience, part of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. We are moving along with our preseason episodes, and we got coaches and quarterbacks today on the slate. I am one of your hosts, co-hosts, Moneyline Mac, the former, former video coordinator for Bob Huggins and Frank Martin, and I am joined each and every episode by, by co-hosts, one of the co-hosts. Uh, he was born in Provo, Utah. He's got Family in Ames, Iowa. He is a graduate of the great university, West Virginia University. Lives in Morgantown, West Virginia. He is a walking contradiction. Rambling Rush, how are you, my friend? Doing great. Excited to talk some coaches and quarterbacks. And I'm sure we'll get a lot of uh, uh, some responses on Twitter, like Troy's been getting lately, uh, <laughs> from these rankings as well. And also, Ryan, I want to give you a shout out back. The Each episode you're in is getting like... You must have been practicing that. You're almost getting to like opera singer standpoint. Like you're you're holding that in. It sounds good, brother. For every beer, I can add five seconds. So yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna just keep next time I'll add another beer before I get on this show. So shout out to the chat as well. And batting in the three hole. Uh he has he's always fighting a family civil war among the Big 12. He's got his seeds spread everywhere. Whether it's at Central Florida, the Oklahoma schools, TCU, Houston, Lubbock, he's got it all. The Big 12 guru, Troy Tuning. How are you doing, brother? Uh, pretty good. At least we we get to get into some actual football stuff here in this episode instead of fantasy land. So, you know, coaches and quarterbacks, these matter quite a bit when it comes to this game. So kind of excited to debate some of these. I know I have some that I'm putting out there in hopes of responses. So we'll see how that goes. Oh, <laughs> uh, we would never do that. And I like it. Like uh, the last episode with the fan bases, the uh, venues, go check out that episode from Monday. Uh, I'm sure everybody will agree on these rankings because everybody agrees with quarterback rankings and, and uh, coaches rankings. And anytime you're talking power rankings, it uh, brings out the debate, which we love on the college experience. Uh, before we dive into it, Rush, I'll start, I'll start with you. When we we'll, we're going to lead it off with coaches before quarterbacks, what was one of the main things you looked at for a criteria? Because there's a lot of different ways we could go with this. What did you look at? So body of work, obviously, have they sustained success? How long they've sustained success at the Division One level, um, especially if they've been in the Big Twelve. Also, you know, there's been there's coaches out there like uh, Lance Leipold who, you know, came into Kansas recently, was at what Wisconsin Whitewater before, um, had did well at the D3, saw them turn Kansas around. So even though maybe they haven't been at the Division One level long enough, if they were able to turn around a program pretty quickly, 
but also too is like everything in else in life it's there's a bell curve to it there's some coaches that may have a great body of work but also kind of seems like they're they're out the door um and then also if if any coaches are on the hot seat and then this is their last chance to sign last chance so we'll see man we'll we'll get to it here in a second Yes, we will. And uh, Troy, how about you? I, uh, with the way that you broke down your rankings, quarterbacks, coaches, whichever one. Uh, I did quarterbacks, just whichever one <laughs> that I, I – quarterbacks was more of the eye test. The coaches, I I kind of pay attention to what kind of talent level they have. And if they're finishing with records that are above that talent level, I, I pretty much qualify mm-hmm. them as a – pretty solid coach and kind of ranked based on that. So there's a few guys that haven't accomplished much recently and they're they're tumbling down the rankings. And Ryan, I know we're getting to coach. We're doing coaches first and getting to quarterback something from the quarterback. end. I just want to remind everyone, I think coaches there, there's more you can rank off of. You can make your points better, but what, yes. But when it comes to quarterbacks, I mean, we saw uh, Duggan last year at TCU, he was second string. (laughs) And now he ends up taking the team to the national championship and getting drafted and, and for the Chargers. So it, it's definitely you just have to kind of go off that gut feeling with the quarterbacks. Our, I have no idea how you guys, you know, we're doing the blind test. I have no idea how you guys ranked any of these. So I, I could definitely see our quarterbacks being all over the place between the three of us. Well, and I, I think it's a great point that you dive in with the quarterbacks is you, you, you don't know as much because we don't know. A, there's still some quarterback competitions going out there for example west virginia uh with with nico and garrett green it looks like we know who the quarterback's going to be or who it's going to be but it's not official yet and we'll talk about it too when we get to the quarterbacks the transfer portal uh window is still not closed i mean we still got what four weeks before we we uh kick the ball off i mean anybody can go in the portal for example like a spencer sanders so yeah, man, I'm looking forward to seeing how our quarterback rankings and coaches' rankings differ. But before we do so, got to get us paid at Circus Sports. Circa Millions and Circus Survivor are back. $14 million in guaranteed prizes are up for grabs. Circa Millions, five NFL picks ATS each week. Just pick a different money line dog each and every week. Enter in Vegas, play from wherever. Sports Gambling Podcast will be out there the last weekend in August. That is the CircusSports.com for all details, the CircusSports.com. And you know who's out there at uh, Circus Sports right now is uh, Pick Dundee. He's no. uh, he's out there for Mountain West Media Days, and I think he's staying out for Pac-12 as well. So uh, if you see Pick Dundee out there in uh, Circa, uh, Circa, Circa Sports there, say hello. Tell me you're a fan of the college experience. And, uh, yeah, enter. make sure you enter so you can win $14 million. Maybe – Maybe one of the last Pac-12 media days. It, yeah, it could be. Or, I don't know about maybe. the last, but they might only have a few more years. Or or it could uh, be on a channel that we'll never be able to find. So maybe it'll be available in Baghdad or something. So, yeah, we'll have we'll, we'll worry about that when we get Taliban to it. Taliban starts competing for rights. <laughs> <laughs> Damn Saudi Arabians are taking over freaking uh, the college football after they we took over. We want to watch live. touchdowns, too. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everybody wants a piece of the pie. All right, coaches, we'll go 14 to 1, just like we did with the college venues. Rush, I will let you lead it off with. We'll say the least best again. Least best. 
I am starting off with Scott Satterfield, uh, the former Louisville and App State coach. Excellent work at App State. Uh, Louisville, on the other hand, very up and down, coming into a Cincinnati program that's expected to be low this year. The good news for him is he's not going to be on the hot seat because the expectations are so low. Um, but just not not a lot of hope um, from him or the Cincinnati program this year. Troy, lead it off. Let's let's hear a bold take. Brent Venables is the worst coach in the league. <laughs> He's got to be the worst, right? I mean, for if you're comparing talent level, you got to get more than you got to get more than six wins out of any ta- any team that's been in Norman in the last 25 years. You got to get more than six wins, and for that to be his first stab at like a big coaching job, that's scary, man. That could that could snowball real quickly in the wrong direction. So I actually, I have Venables as well. The first losing season since 1998. That's not a typo in Norman. And the, and the reason, another reason why I ranked him last is he's a defensive guy and they had the worst defense in the big 12. I mean, how is your side of the ball going to take a set? I thought maybe the offense would take a step back with Caleb Williams going to USC, but it was his defense and, I mean, we're going off body of work. He, he's got a losing record at Oklahoma. So, I know it's a small sample size, but it's not like he took over Kansas. He took over fucking Oklahoma. So, I, I got, by default, I got Venables at last. Back to you, Rush, for your number 13. Number 13. I think this is going to surprise a couple folks. I have Dana Holgerson, actually. I know Dana Holgerson's body of work. It's great. When we didn't want him to leave West Virginia, we would rather have them paid him four million instead of bringing Neil Brown for two and two and a half million. We loved him here. Still love him. Appreciate all that he did here in Morgantown. Dana, to me, I, I said it on the last episode when we were talking about the fans. There's just one image at him in Houston, and I just can't get out of my head. I think they played a Thursday night. I forgot who it was, but it was at home, and just he was going off. The fans were booing him. The fans that were still there. I just, he is just on the way out. He He's probably going to be Saban's offensive coordinator next year or something. He just, he's at this point in the career where I just think, I think football's gone a different way than him. And, and I just think he's more of a coordinator now. Troy. Saban's offensive coordinator would be a really good job for Dana. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> get that, get that like almost skirted egg mullet going. Oh, man. Crushing the trailer park girls. Oh, baby. Uh, <laughs> 13s for me, it's Scott Satterfield. Just uh, kind of the same thing as Brent Venables. He's done, he did okay at Appalachian State. And getting the talent step up and not being able to produce is just big red flag, big red flag. So, I'm kind of worried about him making this transition to a tough league now too. Scott Satterfield, rough times, I think, for this year. Yeah, especially with him. Like, he didn't do well at Louisville. I'm actually surprised he got the Cincinnati job. But, hey, he has a chance. I I, I almost went Satterfield because of uh, n- not living up to expectations. But next on my list, Steve Sarkeesian. Oh, and I know, I know that's – everybody's going to be like, oh, you're hating Texas – He's 13 and 12 at Texas. He's never won more than nine games. And he didn't coach at a mid-major. He coached at USC in Texas now. Two blue bloods. I get that they're talented. Hell, they're talented every year. They're talented at USC, talented at Texas. Talking about, like what Troy said, not being able to get uh, 
what you should out of your roster, he should have at least a one double digit win season. And I know everybody's saying this is going to be the year. Go prove it for a change. Until then, he's at the bottom with Brent Venables for me. Back to you, Rush. Uh, number 12, I am joining you, Ryan, and going with the alcoholic Mormon or the Mormon alcoholic, however you want to put that. Uh, it's like you said, he's 13 and 12. You have a program like Texas. You're about to go to the SEC. You, you, you need to be winning more than one game above 500. I mean, we saw when he left USC how bad that was, and that's why we're getting him the Mormon alcoholic title. Um, came in offensive coordinator at Alabama. I thought they've had better offensive coordinators. Saban's done better with other head coaches. It's just, to me, he just doesn't give a team that like, um, like he relies too much on the program's name to bring him in than his own capabilities. So I'm with you. Uh, number 12, I got Steve Sarkeesian. I, um, I ranked Sark a little differently uh, on a different scale uh, than you guys. But uh, number 12, I have Lance Leipold. Uh, I just haven't seen him do enough. Uh, I, I really think he is a guy that could move in the opposite direction of someone like a Venables and, you know, a, a pretty solid year this year for Kansas. He's, he's going to move up five or seven spots in these coaching rankings over a year. I just need to see him do it. I got you. Yeah, uh, back to me, I same reasons, uh, guy you already named, and the only reason he's ahead of the other two is just he hasn't had the level of talent that the other two have had, but he's failed just as much as they have recently. That's Satterfield at Louisville. He had a, he had a losing record at Louisville um, in the ACC, which I, I'm kind of surprised he got the uh, Cincinnati job yeah. considering that. And considering Malik Cunningham was electric, I mean, 7-5, and five, that was his big-time underachievement last year. He's only ahead of Sark and Venables just because those two are at Texas and Oklahoma and are, at, and are 500 coaches so far. So that's my logic on it. So back to you, Rush, for number 11. So this is when I have Brent Venables. Um, I'm a little more lenient towards his season last year, especially with the transfer portal and everything that's happened. I'm more understanding towards the fact that he, you know, most of that team left with USC or went, you know, they, it's not the Oklahoma they expected. Totally get what you're saying, Ryan. If you're a defensive guy that you, the defense should be your best unit on the field. I also think, you know, when you go from a coordinator job to a head coaching job, it's just, there's so much more that happens. You end up becoming more of a manager, getting people in the right places than actually like an X's and O's guy, you know, for a head coach. I just... But at the end of the day, I think he's a brilliant coach, but he's a brilliant coach when he coaches defense. He's a defensive coordinator. And I think after this season, um, Oklahoma will fire him. He'll go be a DC, maybe go back to Clemson or something like that and probably do an excellent job there. Fantastic number two. Uh, but I think Oklahoma will have a new coach next year, especially going into the SEC. At, uh, at number 11, I have Neil Brown. Uh, I think – I'm going to, like I said, we're jumping on the Neil Brown uh, bandwagon, but I don't think he's going to get fired. I think he's got a chance to move up and uh, just to compare him to somebody like Venables because you're, you're, you're talking about him. I think if he had the talent of Oklahoma's team without USC transfers at West Virginia, they, you, wouldn't, you would have a tough time winning a game in Morgantown with that level of talent. So I think he just kind of suffers from he 
got to get some more money in the NIL and get some more, get some more talented players there. But I, I think he has a chance to move up this year on this, this rankings. Uh, Troy, you and I are seeing eye to eye again here. I got Neil. I, I can't rank him above 11 when you're 14 and 21 in the big 12, three out of four losing seasons. And I, I mean, he's never finished in the top half of the league. His best year was uh tied for fifth. I, I, I think, Neil, like you said, we're hopeful that they're able to establish an identity. And I think, in my opinion, that's the reason he has not had success in his four years at West Virginia. And honestly, in my opinion, that's why I have Dana Holgerson higher because of Dana was able to have sustained success. But Neil just hasn't able to get it going. Not saying, kind of like Sark, not saying he can't do it this year or Venables, like Venables as well. Not saying he can't do it, but he just hasn't done it. So with that said, I can't rank him above nine on my list and we will get to our top 10 after I talk about underdog fantasy, because we are brought to you by best ball mania is here and underdog fantasy is giving away $15 million in prizes. Underdog pick is also a great way to get down on your favorite MLB and NFL player props. So many ways to win over on underdog and fantasy is available in so many different states. Head over to underdogfantasy.com and use the promo code SGPM for a 100% uh, deposit up to $100. That's the underdogfantasy.com promo code SGPN. And we're back on the Big 12 College Experience, and I will kick it back to Rush to start off our top 10 coaches out of 14. Num- yep, number 10, I am going Neil Brown now. Um, the reason I have him at number 10 and, and not last like a lot of other lists is I feel like if Neil Brown, kind of like what you were saying, Troy, if he was at Oklahoma, Texas, some of these other programs, he'd actually be doing a lot better. Or if he had the talent there, I think he would do better than, you know, Sarkeesian or Venables. Um, Neil Brown, the recruiter, has has net. We've never had an issue with him. He's actually been a fantastic recruiter. He just can't keep that talent because they haven't been doing well enough to, you know, retain talent and people want to go other places. Um, something about Neil Brown that, that I'm giving him a little leniency on too during big 12 media day, uh, for West Virginia. He was like, look, you know, uh, he kind of was like, I messed up, you know, now we're taking NIL, we're taking transfer portal. We understand we got our formula. We're looking for new 20 kids coming out of high school every year. And, uh, and then the rest we're going to get from the transfer portal. So I think Neil Brown is starting to embrace the transfer portal. I know you brought up what he's had three out of four losing seasons, Ryan. I will say the first season he came in and finishing, I think it was five and seven was actually miraculous. Like he should have finished nowhere near that. I think there have been times where he's coached up, but also he's made some really boneheaded and dumb mistakes. And sometimes he hasn't gone out of his own way. So I think there's a chance I think at a minimum, you know, he does decent this year, maybe a good six and six year, maybe when the ball goes seven and six, he'll at least finish out his contract at West Virginia at one time too. You know, Auburn was calling him other, you know, schools were, were seeing if he was interested or not. But I, I think with West Virginia, more people were mad at Shane Lyons extending Neil Brown, just being 500 and giving him such a bad contract. than then they were actually mad at Neil Brown. I'm not saying people aren't Neil, at Neil Brown, but they're they're mad that it was harder to get rid of him if needed. So I'll give Neil Brown a little benefit of the doubt. I don't think he's atrocious as some people make him out to be. I think he's done okay at times. So number 10, Neil Brown. I'm uh, Troy. This is number 10 is right where I think Dana Holgerson is. I think he's 
kind of like the offensive Brent Venables, where as an offensive coordinator, he's a genius. And the way that he describes what he wants to get done in their, their, their plan of attack, it seems like it works pretty well. It's just the whole other side of the ball. He's got to really hope that he's got some some pretty studded defensive coordinators or, you know, keeps keeps guys around for multiple years on the defense. And with neither of those happening, his record kind of shows that he's really just one sided. And that's why I can't rank him super duper high. Completely agree with you, Troy. Another thing with sorry, Ryan, to interrupt, but a thing with Dana, and that was my point was. With NIL and transfer portal now, I think Dana was a fine, obviously, head coach when we saw him at West Virginia before all that stuff. But I think the the type of personality, the type of just kind of hard ass Dana Holgerson is, he just doesn't really fit the mold of today's head coach of what you need to succeed. So I I, I agree, and that's why I had him a lot lower on my list. I think he you're right. He's the offensive coordinator, and um, Venables is the defensive coordinator that are head coaches now. Yeah, and and that gets me to my number 10. And this guy was probably the hardest guy for me to rank. I'm going to go to Provo, Kalani, Sataki. And, I mean, he's had success. It's hard to gauge just because he's from an independent. He's 56 and 34. Took over a good program, though. Brocko Mendenhall had that thing Mm -hmm. going in in, humming. I mean, he was 99 and 39 before he got there. It's kind of been a little bit of up and down in BYU uh, under Sataki, but for the most part, he's a solid uh, football coach. I think more the jury will be out on Sataki in these uh, years to come in the Big 12. So I think 10's a good spot for him, a little bit of unknown for me. Rush, I'll kick it to you as the BYU expert. I don't know where you have Sataki. Um, I have him in a little bit. I'll continue that conversation here. But at number (laughs) nine, I have Joey McGuire, Texas Tech. First year last year was – I, I always I always try to get this last name right, and I don't know why. Uh, Day, you're gonna have to help me out here, Troy. Um, Aranda, Dave Aranda, yeah, uh, Dave Aranda. Aranda. I always yeah. want to say Arianada. I don't know why. <laughs> it's like a baseball pronunciations pitcher. is not our strong suit. No, it's not. And we say that on the Ryan and Rush show. It's like I'm trying to reference a Dominican pitcher instead of uh, a college football head coach. You know, it was good coordinator for him. Had success last year at Texas Tech. People are expecting Texas Tech to make that jump this year. But will they make this jump? So if Texas Tech makes the jump, then yeah, he's he's here to make the jump on the on the list as well. But it just seems like for right now, uh, Joey McGuire, it's it's where he should be. Troy, for uh, your number nine, for my number nine, I also have Kalani Sataki. Uh, Sataki. <laughs> Sataki mushrooms, but uh, he sounds just, like a shot. Sataki, I'll take a Sataki. <laughs> it's almost like the spot that. Uh, I'm ranking somebody at with, you know, hopes that I'm nudging him up the, up the ladder instead of just putting him super far down because there's not too much that I've seen about him. Definitely haven't gone through any of his like offensive and defensive uh, uh, tendencies and whatnot. So just kind of throwing him in there to be completely honest. Yeah, no, that, that, that was kind of my logic. Uh, Rush probably will have a better gauge and, and a better breakdown on Sataki. It's just hard for Troy and I just coming from the independents. Um, Rush, you had McGuire at number uh, nine, correct? Yes. I, this, this is where I have McGuire, and it's not that I don't think Joey McGuire is a really good coach, and next year he may be in our top five, but mm-hmm. it's only one-year body of work. They finished strong. I get that. I 
he did a hell of a job at Baylor too. And I think with the Randa as well, like you said, we'll, we'll see how, if they're able to bounce back the second year without Joey McGuire and Waco, but I just need to see another year of sample size for me personally with Joey McGuire before I rank him in the top half. So that's why I have McGuire at nine, not, not, not hating on him. Good coach. I think, I think uh, things are going in the right direction in Lubbock. Back to you, Rush. Number eight. This is where I have Kalani Sataki. So, Here's the thing about Kalani is when he started out at BYU, I think he was more, he tried to be part of that X's and O's game. And I think why he is actually a great fit at BYU is because, you know, he played there. He, you know, a lot of Polynesians are Mormon. He brings in, of course, we'll hear the game. And when we try to do BYU breakdowns, try, we'll, those pronunciations are going to be great. We'll have it. We'll all have a great time, but I mean, I've seen him like he was the typical guy. He won the games he was supposed to win. He lost the games or blew the games or at the end that he, you know, he basically lost the games he should have lost. He, he never really stepped up in that moment. A lot of the years going into BYU was like, oh, is this the year BYU kind of gets to, into the playoffs or gets to that BCS Bowl? I think in recent years, he's really kind of taken a step back and letting his coordinators do their thing. And he's more of the culture guy, the head coach, the, hey, I'm going to put people where they need to be. And then I trust the coaches I've hired to execute how they need to execute, right? We're seeing it with the new defensive coordinator, Jay Hill, this year, who could be BYU's coach in the future. I mean, there was a time where Sataki was rumored to be the next Oregon coach. So I, he, if he, he has to stay out of his own way. That's basically what it comes down for him. If he stays out of his own way, he will be very successful. If he is all of a sudden like, ooh, let me get in on this, uh, watch out. So that that's my breakdown on him. No Sataki for you? <laughs> One year, no Sataki. Uh, uh, Troy, you for uh, number the, eight. Uh, just expanding on Sataki, the move, the move to a – I mean, a, a tougher, more serious league. I know they've played with the big boys, but just the the continuity of, hey, oh, these are going to be the teams that we're going to build rivalries and stuff with, that might help them just be the game manager instead of trying yep. to step on too many toes. Uh, at number eight, this was an automatic pick. Uh, it has nothing to do with how shitty of a coach he is. Uh, 0.08 is Steve Sarkeesian. <laughs> he should not be coaching the game unless he's blowing uh, 0.08 or above. It should be like reverse interlock on his microphone. There's a little pickup. And if he's not <laughs> drunk enough, he can't call plays. It's like in Trailer Park Boys where he's like, I'm 0.12. Right in the I'm fucking in slot, the baby. Slot, baby. <laughs> oh, time for a little drinky poo. <laughs> I love it. Uh, <laughs> for my number eight, and I think I'm going to have him lower than most people will, uh, Dave Aranda at Baylor. I know he won a big 12 championship, but he's also got a losing record in the big 12 in his three years. Um, I, I think really losing McGuire really hurt last year. We'll see if they can bounce back. Did a great job at LSU as a defensive coordinator. I think he's a solid coach. I think, but I, I, I'm not going to rank him at the top half just based on the body of work of being kind of up and down in his tenure so far in Waco. Back to you, Rush, to start our top half of the league. All right, let uh, me get this coaches. pronunciation correct. I know everyone said it a million times. This is where I have Dave Aranda. There we go. Yes. I had to write yep. it out. Um, like you said, Ryan, losing record at Baylor. However, it, the question for him is, what Dave Aranda are we going to see? Are we going to see the 
the Big 12 winner of two years ago, or are we going to see him slide like he did last year? I've brought it up time and time again. I, I think Baylor's the team no one's talking about. And maybe this is a reason why no one's talking about Baylor because they don't know what version of Baylor is going to come out. But I also think when no one's talking about Baylor, watch out for Baylor. They're, they're one of those types of teams. So I'd be really curious to see how he backs it up this year. I think he is a great coach. Excuse me. I think he is a capable and good coach and can be a great coach. But that lies in being able to be consistent. So that's where I have Dave Aranda. Good pronunciation there. You want Thank a sitaki? You. you want a sitaki with your Aranda? There you uh, go. Back to you, Joey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number seven is where I have uh, Joey McGuire. I, I just need to see him put together a full season, but was very impressive at the, the, the back half of the year last year. And once again, just trying to nudge him up uh, and kind of forget about just where Sark is at on the list. It's more of for whenever we get a graphic or if Noah does anything or any, anything for us so we can get the 0.08 was the Sark ranking. <laughs> so you got McGuire at, uh, McGuire at seven. under the, under the limit and, <laughs> and Sark over the limit. That gets me to seven. I got Lance Leipold. You guys kind of laid it out on Leipold. You want to see more, in my opinion, a six win season at Kansas is a 10 win. And the year before that, a two win season in your first year, where you take over the job, you don't even get a full off season. You get two months of repair. You win at Texas with Sarkeesian and all those five stars. That's basically a you basically went bowling that year, in my opinion. Did a great job at Wisconsin Whitewater. It's a big year though, so I got him at number seven. Um, I think he's done an unbelievable job so far in Kansas, making them relevant. So, Rush, back to you for six. Yeah, this is where Lance Leipold comes in for me. I mean, yeah, usually I think without – he would be near that kind of Joey McGuire mark, you know, further down the list. But what he did at Kansas, that type of program, I mean, when's the last time Kansas football has been relevant? I think, what, 07, 08? Um, it, it, he just turned that program around. And then, like you said, two years ago – getting the win at Texas last year, you know, Jalen Daniels doesn't go down. Who knows? Maybe that's eight, nine wins. Maybe, maybe it's a completely different. So what he's lacking was what we're all saying is the consistency because it's where he came from before Wisconsin whitewater. I mean, division three school, excellent record there. If you want to go look up what he did there, it was incredible, but you know, that's division three football, not power five football. So I'm with you guys six and, you know, looking forward to seeing if he can, become one of the, you know, kind of that next Matt Campbell where you find your 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 place um, and you stick there and you start sustaining success. So we've we've got the Lance Leopold, like, uh, weighted wins is year one, each win was basically worth three wins. And yeah. then year two, it <laughs> dropped down to two wins. Yeah. So this year is his first real record. Uh, whatever he goes this year is, yes. is like a, he's like a golfer that finally got to scratch and he's about his to handicap. pee off and he's just going to get ripped to pieces. <laughs> I've got Gundy at number six, actually. Oh, I, wow. uh, he's not He's not as high on my list right now. Because he just, there's been a couple of teams here that were one or two plays away from maybe even getting into a college football playoff scenario or something like that, uh, getting into a national title the year that they couldn't go up and lost in double overtime with a 28 year old quarterback at, at, at Ames. You gotta, he just has never taken that step into the next level coach. And because of that, I've got him a little bit further down the list, uh, trying to not be super biased. 
CNN paying you to say that? <laughs> this is a paid advertisement. <laughs> Brought to you by you see, CNN. You see, they, they hate Gundy. Um, Brought to you by you know, OANHaters.org. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah they're, they're paying you right now to, to shit on Gundy. I will go to uh, Gundy's friend, and, and I have him way higher on the list. And I think just the, with the way I view this guy, I love this guy personally. And that's the Red Bull, Mr. Red Bull, Dana Holgerson. Who the trivia? Who's got the second most active uh, Big Twelve wins in this league? It's Dana Holgerson. He's thirty-eight and thirty-two in his time at West Virginia. We talk about the standard at West Virginia being seven, eight wins is where we should be. Dana did that every single year at West Virginia, except for one year, which is where Neil's trying to get this program. I think Neil's struggling. I know you could say the first year uh, the program is a little bit in shambles, but I think. Dana didn't recruit at a high level either, and he found ways to patch things up with JUCOs, transfers, and he always found a way to win seven, eight games. And I honestly, in my opinion, I think him being on the hot seat's a little bit unfair because he's won 20 games at Houston in the last two years. I think people just don't like him because of his antics, and, and he's just a madman, and maybe it's his hair. I don't know. So I think he's one of the more underrated coaches. He's definitely entertaining. So I got Dana at number six. Rush? This is where, from Lance Leipold, I'm putting in, I brought it up earlier, Matt Campbell. Um, great coach. Fits the Iowa State culture perfect. I don't know how he would do if he went to another school, I, but I know he's at the perfect fit. I know what he's done to Iowa State, because you remember, Ryan, West, uh, Kansas and Iowa State were the two automatic wins every year in football, and clearly yeah. that is, well, the, both of them are especially not the case anymore, but for a while... Iowa State didn't become the case. I'm pretty sure it was the Fiesta Bowl they won during the pandemic year. I think it was, I know, I, I don't remember which BCS Bowl it was. Um, but hell of a coach. It's going to be interesting because I did their preview uh, with Pick Dundee. He's not a transfer portal guy at all. So is this going to be one of those things that comes back to bite him? Or is it actually, is he able, because he creates such a great culture that, it, it, you know, it's family and he does better because of it. Interesting, but Hey, he's, he's sustained success long enough, especially at a program like Iowa state. He's where he's meant to be and great coach, Matt Campbell. It, uh, it seems like actually, it seems like a very good time to make that zag when everybody else is doing the same zig of like, let's pump our NIL up. Let's get all of our recruits through this yeah. long-term mm -hmm. thing. Just go ahead and be like, you know, we're not really competing for those guys. We want the guys that are going to play like four and five stars because they stayed with the system for three years. Yeah. Uh, but where are we at? Number five, right? I've got Cl Chris Kleiman from Kansas state. I, uh, it's just a very solid ranking. Uh, nothing super duper flashy, but results say he's getting the job done. And uh, again, this could be a year where he really jumps up over some of these guys that I might be expecting a little bit too much from that are above him. Yeah, no, I, I, I like Kleiman. He's, he's higher on my list. I'll get to him in a minute. I see. I struggled with five. Once it gets the top five, I had an easy time to discrepancy. Uh, differentiating my uh, top five from six through 14. I went Sonny Dykes at five, and I know he just ran the table in his first year at TCU. But he, at SMU, they were just solid, uh, same league that Dana's coming from. He was not good at Cal. Maybe that says more about the Cal job, to be honest. But uh, I just want to see maybe another year from Sonny Dykes. How does he build off of what he did last year? 
he took over a program that Patterson uh, had built up, and he, he did a hell of a job last year. Loved Sonny Dykes. Thought he did a great job. I want to see a little bit more of a sample size at TCU before I move him up. Uh, Rush? Number four, I have uh, former Mr. Auburn, Gus Malzahn um, at UCF. I think he's kind of speaking like Matt Campbell. He found his perfect place at Iowa State. I think it's the same thing with Gus. I think UCF is his home. I mean, he took Auburn to the national championship in his first year. I mean, Auburn hasn't been the same since he left. I, I, you know, maybe it was time for him to go there, but they still haven't been the same. Uh, I just, I think he's where he's meant to be, especially now that they're coming back into the big 12. So he gets kind of a power five job back. Um, I think he has a lot to prove. I mean, you see him on the sideline. There's something about the energy he brings to that team, but Excellent coach. I, I, if I were him, I would not be trying to look for anything else. I would not try to go back to the SEC. I would dominate with potentially what we've talked about, boys, in the next you know five years. The UCF could be the football university in the state of Florida, and it, if it's so, it's because of Gus. So, have him at number four. My uh, my number four is along the lines of Ryan. I've got Sonny Dykes at number four. And I even have him a little bit inflated because he decided to go out and hire Kendall Bryles to work with uh, Chandler Morris, Chad Morris's kid. So it's kind of like the they're really sleeping around. They're, they're, <laughs> all of these guys that are working together again at TCU. And I think I think Kendall wants to kind of get back to a, a, a quick passing heavy tempo offense instead of like where he was doing at Arkansas, a lot of quarterback run and motions, but I, Sonny Dykes overperformed last year might underperform a little bit this year, but once again, you can't let recency bias take away that he stepped right in there and showed that he was ready for the big leagues. And I, I still see them playing pretty well again this year. Yeah, yeah, Sonny Dykes, and that gets me right to kind of like Sonny Dykes. Sonny Dykes went to the national championship his first year. So did uh, Gus Malzahn at Auburn. I want to see basically what Gus Malzahn was able to do at Auburn. Sonny Dykes do at TCU, have sustained success, go 70 and 35 or whatever Gus was able to do at Auburn, and then take it over to UCF, what he's done recently. That program's only going in the right direction. Should he, by the end, he in a couple of years, he may be number one or two on this list. Rush, who do you have at number three uh, to start out our top threes? This is when I bring up the former Texas Tech first baseman, Sonny Dykes. I did not, I did not realize he was a big baseball guy uh, that, oh, that yeah. he played college baseball. Um, I actually, uh, you brought up Ryan that he didn't do well at Cal. And I just don't think Cal's a football program that's real. I mean, it hasn't been relevant since Aaron Rodgers was their quarterback. And even then, it was kind of like, oh, look at this stud quarterback. But he didn't do it. His first year, he was atrocious. But he didn't do terrible. Like, And then, obviously, we saw what he did at SMU. We saw what he did last year. I get we want to see him the continued success at TCU. But he's had two other head coaching jobs where, for, for what he had, I feel like he's done well at. So I have Sonny Dykes at number three. Number three is where I have uh, Dave Aranda. Uh, for no other reason than I'm really hoping that the defense can kind of get shored up and like, kind of like the uh, uh, the approach of Matt Campbell, maybe the the zig into or the zag instead of the zig of let's be the Big Twelve school that starts concentrating on having you know a front four and a, a linebacking core that's really going to get you ready for the next level. Uh, 
I just like listening to Dave Aranda talk. He seems like he's way smarter than everybody. Preacher. And yeah, it's just, but he doesn't, it doesn't come off as super duper preachy. I mean, he seems like it's, it's trying to be, but you stay interested. So I kind of respect hopefully his ability to get a message across. I, I, yeah. I mean, we, we're all singing the praises of the, of the same guys, including Aranda. I got Matt Campbell at number three. Um, it seems like I got him the highest out of us. Perfect culture guy, like you said. Uh, he has a winning record at Iowa State in the Big 12, including a Big 12 championship appearance. I think that this is a great bounce-back opportunity. And I like that he was really, really good at Toledo, 35-15, and 24-8 in the MAC. So it's not it's not just a one-hit wonder. So, um, yeah, I got uh, Matt Campbell at uh, number three. Back to you, Rush. The following message is brought to you by OAN. Number two, I have Mike Gundy. I mean, the guy's just been incredible at Oklahoma State. I've never really, like, unlike you, Troy, I've never, I've never had like a relation to Oklahoma State. I've been to Stillwater once. I think it's a great campus. I do like their colors, but there's something about Gundy and his energy and just what he brings. Now, obviously, he's a great coach. He's, you know, at least will give you a winning season. The problem with Gundy, you know, it's as Troy's called it in the past, the Pope choke. It's would like to see him finish it out you know imagine what would have happened in that baylor game right if if the guy made the tackle at the end and oklahoma state was ended up being the big 12 Man, champs. even Sorry. as even when he was quarterback he couldn't throw the the little three or four yard pass to the tight end in the end zone and the tight like it was a great pass he did everything he was supposed to do and just dropped the ball well it's perfect gundy it likes was. doing the hard things he does great at the hard things but when it comes to the easy things like that's where he struggles. It's like someone shooting a three pointer, like wide open, can't make it. But if I have two guys in the face fading away, it'll swish. And that's who Gundy is. So at least he does the hard things, right? He keeps it entertaining. He'll keep your team in it. But I have Mike Gundy at number two. How about you? Troy? I, uh, I actually have Matt Campbell the highest because I have him here at number two. Oh, I thought um, you said him. Yeah. You do have him the highest. Yeah, I do. I do. I, I really like Matt Campbell. Uh, he just like is something about his face looks kind of tough. Like I would listen to him if we were we were getting in the trenches and just doing some dumb Oklahoma drills or something like that. And I look over and he's got a little bit of sweat on him and he just looks kind of like a tough country Midwest guy. And I I think he's done the best with the lack of talent and mm-hmm. staying in the competition level of this league. Iowa State's always a player, and it's one of those places you hate to fucking go play at and. He's just been running things pretty well. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And another guy for me that's been running a hell of a program, that's the defending uh, Big 12 champion. Chris Kleiman is my number two coach in the Big 12, 30 and 20 at K-State. Obviously, they had the magical year. It took them a couple years to get that thing going in the right direction. They're just like Iowa State, build their program with veteran guys. And I look at what he did before he got to K-State. Four national championships in five years for the buys. And I know that's expectation, but, hey, there's something said for being the the hunted and coming through. So I got Chris Kleiman going for uh, back-to-back at number two for me. And, Ryan, that's who I have at number one. I know he hasn't been at Kansas State the longest. I know we need to see more consistency and some success and you know we're about to get to the quarterbacks here he has the quarterback to do it this coming year but like you said at um his previous school North Dakota State I mean the guy only lost <laughs> one game in in the uh you know how they do the tournament style in the FCS 
Big 12 championship last year, you know, before TCU obviously got their ass kicked by Georgia. It was their only loss. I mean, the guy is, he's at the right place at the right time with the right people. And sometimes that's just, that is the winning formula. And I think he has that right now. So hopefully he keeps it going. Troy? I've got uh, I've got old Gus Malzahn at number one, baby. I like uh, it. We're all uh, different. Yeah, Gus, uh, nobody else, none of these other coaches could go coach at Auburn and do jack shit. Gus Malzahn is easily the best coach here. And like I was saying earlier, he's not a terrible guy, but you can just kind of tell he's not the best guy. And it just brings some kind of like, oh, man, I I really like this dude. He, he seems a little bit fun to hang out with, maybe uh, slightly untrustworthy. I, I'm, I'm interested in someone like that. Yep, and that gets me to number one, and number one in everybody's heart. Uh, he's got the best hair in the league. He's got the best swag. He's got his own sponsorship at OAN. I got Mike Gundy at number one. Mr. Consistency hasn't won less than seven games since fucking 2005. I mean, that's uh, that's crazy, the level of consistency. Yes, I know you can nitpick that he hasn't really won the big, big one, but uh, – yeah, he just he won over 60% of his games in the Big 12. He, he, eight plus eight to 10 wins every year. He's my best coach because of his sustainment in the Big 12. Uh, that was fun because we all had somebody different, uh, different up top and at the bottom. Uh, let's transition over to a, a lot of the reason why these guys are successful, the quarterback position. We're going to just do our top 10, but Rush, I'll let you lead it off who you had at 11 or 11 through 14 because – a lot of these quarterback rooms aren't settled yet, so we'll we'll break down our top 10, but give me 11 through 14 for you. Sounds good. I will start off with Cincy's quarterback, Emory Jones. It's exactly what Troy said. I, I <laughs> Yeah, is if he kept it, uh, if he could game manage, he's not going to game manage. He's going to try to win every game on every possession of every play. Next, um, assuming he is the starter, Alan Bowman, Oklahoma State. Um, the best ability is availability. The guy's just been injured. It's a different injury every year. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens if he's not injured. Who knows? He could shoot to the very top of this list. Uh, next I have in line, we think it's going to be Garrett Green. Um, you know, just hasn't played enough. But, hey, when he has played, he stepped up, been great. We just need, we just need to see um, a bigger body of work. And big question on this one is, was the starter over Duggan last year? Chandler Morris got injured start the season last year. I do think he actually has a great chance to, to be a good quarterback, especially, I mean, the fact that he beat Duggan in camp shows that, you know, he, he, he has something there. It's just, what is that? And can you not get injured? And yeah. So there, the, some of these quarterbacks, like you said, we just don't, we just don't know enough. So you just kind of have to take what you have. And I, I want Chandler Morris to do well, especially since he was the starter last year. Maybe he was the guy that was supposed to, be the one to take TC to the natty, but got to wait and see. How about you, Troy? Who'd you have as your bottom four or just by default? Yeah, my I mean, my bottom four are Emory Jones, Donovan Smith, Hunter Deckers, Keaton Slovis, just guys that you either already know suck balls or <laughs> got like Hunter Deckers isn't getting any better. Keaton Slovis is not, he's not getting any better. These guys, you, you mean, you might as well put an 18 year old in there that maybe performed better than you would think in high school and maybe strike gold or something like that, or even fucking striking silver. But that's not like those four guys are just 
they're they're not they're not going to play the whole year. I wouldn't think it's that the starting quarterback position. Yeah, I, I I went with kind of a similar situation. I went with the guys that we just don't know the most just by default. I and they technically haven't won their jobs yet. Uh, you mentioned it, Bowman at, at Oklahoma State. It sounds like he's going to be a starter. Smith at Houston, although Dane has kind of kept the door open that they maybe could add somebody. Maybe it's Spencer Sanders uh, if if he doesn't win the Ole Miss job. Uh, Morris at TCU and then Green at West Virginia. I love. I'm higher on Green than most people. But I, I, I just can't rank him inside the top ten until I see him do it more than two, three games. So, yeah, that's where I'm at with uh, – or all of us are at with our 11 through 14. So, let's get into our top ten uh, quarterbacks in the Big 12 headed into the year. Rush, I'll let you lead it off. I actually do have Donovan Smith at ten. Um, I, I know he kind of still falls into that what if. I think he's a very capable quarterback. I think he has a chance to, you know – the ceiling is he has a ceiling, a decent ceiling which he can reach. But the problem is that floor is also pretty low too. So which one are we going to see, especially at Houston? Time will tell. Yep. Uh, number 10 is right where I have Garrett green. I think he's just, he's got a little bit more potential than the four guys that I put down in the bottom four. I don't think that you've seen enough of Garrett green to say he's not going to get any better. I think there's still enough mysteriousness around him and uh, his nickname being Pat white, just because he's white. I, I like that. I saw that on West Virginia Twitter the other day. <laughs> I really like that. Yeah. I, this, this is hard down here. Cause you got a lot of unknowns. I went Slovis uh, a fucking cause he's a pick guy, but I, I just think that he's regressed every single year. So I'll put him at 10 and, and a pro- ultimate prove it year. I mean, you chase, you chase the pussy, then you got to come and be a Mormon for a year. You're 10th on my list. So, <laughs> yeah. Taking a vow of yeah. celibacy yeah. after. Shit, I mean, you look at it, 2019, 30 touchdowns, 9 interceptions, but that was three years ago. Last year's 10 touchdowns, 9 interceptions. So, I'll go Slovis at number 10. My number nine, and here we go, another pronunciation issue. I thought it was Shaw. Apparently, you're supposed to pronounce the Shog, but then now I'm looking up on another website. It's actually Shuck. So we'll find out the pronunciation when, when the announcers, and maybe the announcers will mess it up. We've only heard that a couple of times. Uh, I think this is his chance issue to really step in and, and be you know, the Texas Tech quarterback they need to get to that Big 12 championship. Um, another one that's dealt with some injuries in the past. I mean, well, actually most of these quarterbacks have to some extent. So we'll just, we'll see if he can avoid the injury bug and really step into his own this year under Joey McGuire. I, uh, number nine for me is where I have Bowman, uh, just really basing all of these on if dudes are going to be able to play all year long. I mean, if he gets banged up again, it wouldn't be surprising, but I think he can maybe take a little bit of a step forward at Oklahoma state and the way they kind of simplify the game for their quarterbacks. I don't see the reason that's a, kind of another reason why I don't think Spencer Sanders is going to transfer anywhere because he's really not that great. I think that yeah. number nine ranking, it's just going to be right around that, you know, not quite good. Uh, almost could be, but you know, still middle of the pack. 
Yeah, I, and to continue my uh, theme of washed up guys that 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 are on like their fourth, fifth chance, Emory Jones uh, at number nine for me at Cincinnati. Started at Florida, went to Arizona State, another journeyman. Who knows what the hell you're going to get playing for Satterfield? So Slovis and Jones are at the bottom of my top ten based off of the unknown, like the other guys. Back to you, Rush at number eight. I have Blake Shapin here, and maybe that's a little bit of a surprise to some. Um, I know he won the Big 12 uh, MVP when they won a couple years ago. Um, and then I also saw him lay a complete egg in the Armed Forces Bowl last year. So I think just like his coach, it's going to be which version of uh, Shapin are we going to see? That so, game was bullshit. It was cold as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> it was cold and windy and gross. <laughs> oh, man, that game doesn't Just wait count. till you go to Provo. <laughs> maybe that'll count. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, at number eight is where I have uh, Chandler Morris, just kind of that whole Kendall Bryles, Chad Morris, everything, you know, SMU kind of picking up art or whatever uh, after Sonny Dykes leaves and then him still kind of being around and then getting the TCU job and being able to pick up the son of, of Chad. I just think there's there might be a little bit of uh, – the first couple of games of the year are already some a, a little bit of continuity there between those guys. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I went back and forth on this one as well. I'm going to go with uh Shapen as well at uh Baylor, just, just a little bit of up and down. I, I know he was great his freshman year, uh, five touchdowns, zero interceptions, but took a little bit of the sophomore slump. So I think a potential bounce back year, but uh, I want to see him prove it a little bit more for me. And I got him ranked eighth, just like his coach. Number, what are we at? Seven, seven. now? Yeah. Uh, Keaton Slovis. Um, obviously, the injury bug there is what, is he going to be injured or not? The best ability is availability. But I do think he does fit the BYU system well. And I think it was very mature of him to be, hey, I will go to this Mormon school, deal with the honor code, if it means kind of why we've seen their quarterbacks, Jaron Hall getting drafted last year, Zach Wilson before. I mean, they've had, they are the quarterback factory historically, but they've also had a lot of recent quarterback success. Their guys always get looked at for NFL and get their chance in the NFL. And I think Keaton, Slo Keaton Slovis saw this and he said, all right, I, I can do this. So if he can avoid being injured, I actually think he's in the perfect system for himself. But obviously that's a big if. And and it will also will he fall back into more his immature ways. So if, if he can do what he was set out to do, then then I think he is kind of towards that middle for quarterbacks. He's forced to to be mature. He's at BYU now. Well, He's I mean, the to fact go that like he... a whole year building up all of that testosterone <laughs> and everything, he might, he might be back. No, I agree. But he also chose to go there. So, I mean, that, that's hard. You can't control your body. You got to want to do some things that <laughs> are not that normal in Provo. So, uh, number seven for me, I've got Tyler Shug or Shuck or whatever, you know, he, uh, He's a very bro broy guy, so we'll see. I mean, Texas Tech just really likes the gunslingers, and he really fits that mold. And mm -hmm. there's a bunch of other guys in this league that have played for Texas Tech that probably going to be really motivated to play against him. So you know, you got to bring it every week if you're if you're a Texas Tech quarterback. They know they can just move guys around and pick up new slingers. But that's well, where I have him, number seven. 
I got him at seven two, and I, everybody talks about if he stays healthy, he never lost a start, but he didn't stay healthy a lot. And it was if he started and finished the game, he only played in five games or sorry, six games last year, but he was there at the end of the year playing their best football. But you mentioned, I mean, you got Smith at uh, at uh, Houston, you got Bowman at uh, Oklahoma State. You got the you got the freaking Lubbock uh, quarterback factory in the Big Twelve this year. Alive and well. So, Chuck is uh, my number seven. Back to you, Rush, for uh, number six. I'm starting to think we should have ranked second string quarterbacks with all the injuries these starters had. It's like, it's, geez, maybe it should be your second string. Who has the best second string? That'll win the Big 12 I know at it. this point. Um, next, I have up, did a preview with him with Pick Dundee, Hunter Deckers. Uh, I know, Troy, you're very low on him. I don't think he's actually a bad quarterback. Threw for th- over 3,000 yards last year, 60%. Completion. His big problem is he loves to throw the interception. 19 touchdowns, uh, 14 interceptions. Needs to reduce those interceptions by at least five to seven. If he does that, I think, and, and follows Matt Campbell's lead, I think he can do great things this year. So he does a, that because he's betting on the games, probably. But <laughs> and I get that's a big if, but I, I mean, at least hey, stays healthy, kinda. Something about being left. That's a big criteria. Those... <laughs> stay That's stay healthy. Criteria. Number one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, number six for me is John Reese Plumley. I've got John Reese Plumley up here at number six. I uh, I've seen him play at major major, you know, SEC football at Old Miss and stuff like that, and he performed pretty well. You know, ups and downs. He seems like a guy that Gus Malzahn could probably convince you matter to this team a lot. This is why we wanted to keep you around this whole time and brought you in. And I just, I, I might see a little bit more out of him this year, I think, than what's been predicted. Uh, he's higher on my list. Actually. I got Deckers as well from Iowa state. I think he's going to take a bigger jump. I, I think that it was a young Iowa state team. He'll mature in that system in year number two. Um, I'll go Deckers uh, as my number six back to you, Rush. Getting into the top five now, and this is where I have uh, Plumlee, a uh, good dual-threat quarterback. I think he's perfect for Central Florida. Uh, I think he fits, speaking of culture fit, I think he fits there well. Uh, and I think you're going to see big things from him this year, especially late in games. Uh, number five for me is Blake Shapin. I just wanted to put him in the top five so everybody knows when he might. I mean, out of all the quarterbacks in this league, there's a few guys at the top that, you know, could be getting some Heisman hype, probably not rightfully so, but Blake Shapin is going to end up being just the most consistent, best week-to-week quarterback in this league and bringing in the leading rusher from Oklahoma State and just having a bunch of wide receivers and running back continuity. I just see Blake Shapin playing way better than expected. Yeah, it, it, God, this this league is a total shit show. I mean, it, I mean, you can make a case for a lot of these quarterbacks. I went Plumley as well, the former transfer from Ole Miss. Uh, he, he was great last year, twenty five hundred yards through the air, almost a thousand on the ground. Interesting to see how that translates to the Big Twelve. He's a confident dude. You saw him at media day taking pictures, taking selfies with everybody. He. He, I'm interested to see how he is in year two of the Gus Malzahn era because it's a different system. So I got Plumlee as my number five. He uh, Something to note about him is he's also a pretty good baseball player. So he's got that mentality yeah. of, you know, failure is just learning point. Let's go ahead and flush that out once we get what we know and move on along. 
What do they say about baseball going to Sonny Dykes and, and Plumley? It's a thinking man's game. If you're good at baseball, you, you're you're a smart person. You are so <laughs> we'll see, we'll see how it can relate. Um, number four, I have Quinn yours. Um, I think the the person that brings him down is his coaching, Steve Sarkeesian. I think he, on this list, he's the one with the highest ceiling. He was the first person <laughs> to uh He's the first one to sign a million dollar NIL deal when he was over at Ohio state. Uh, he's now at Texas. Um, but as we know, you know, when Texas and expectations and their current coach does, doesn't mean anything if you have the largest stealing at quarterback, but in terms of pure quarterback talent, uh, that's why I have Quinn yours at, uh, number four. I, I have Quinn yours at number four because I'm not putting him in the top three. Uh, Quinn yours <laughs> He could be really, really good. I just don't think you're ever going to see that. There's just something that prevents that consistency or whatnot. And it might just be the, I want to have the mullet. I want to be immature. And and then, you know, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to change and be a little more straight. I don't believe any of it. He just needs to go out and play football. And I don't think that's something that he can really concentrate on. I thought he was awful. Um, in a couple of the biggest games last year, 17 of 39 against TCU, 19 of 49 for Oklahoma State. He was atrocious in Stillwater. I got him at number four as well. In my opinion, he's the most overrated player in the country because everybody talks about him as a top five, top three quarterback in the country. It's not even a top three quarterback in the Big 12. So he's uh, at number four and the most overrated player headed into the season for me, just like his coach and their program. I agree. It's it's people just because you have a high ceiling doesn't mean you're you're a great player. You still have to prove it. Uh, number three, the other team that's about to leave the Big Twelve, Dylan Gabriel. He, he he's he is a great quarterback, and he's proved it more than than yours. Um, it's you know you don't want to give Oklahoma the compliments, but I, I really he he's fun to watch, and I actually think he's the reason that Venables was able to pull out a six and six season last year. So he's yeah. the one that kept him in the game. It's like. So the, the problem you have with him is, is the Venables factor. Is he going to coach him down to, to Venables level? Um, Cause I mean, a quarterback can only bring their coach up for so long, but in terms of pure quarterback talent, he's, he's fantastic. So I have him at number three. I, uh, I kind of assume that everybody's one and two was going to be the same just from the previous shows that we've done. So I went a little bit in a different direction here. I've got <laughs> Skylar Howard at number three. You got I, uh, Skyler Howard, the old West Virginia well, quarterback. The old, in the the old, I got. <laughs> he was number we, three. That's how long we've day, been baby. watching. Yeah, yeah. Baby. <laughs> you got Will. Sorry, Will Howard at number three. Uh, he could be any. I mean, these guys are all one through three. That's just kind of how they're grouped on my list. I, I'm just now assigning numbers to them for the sake of you know going through the discussion. I like Will. He they competed. They won the Big Twelve championship against a team that then turned around and kind of made Michigan look pretty dumb. So, you yeah. know, that guy has some game to him, but I'll put him at three so we can deviate from one another. I like it. Uh, I, I, I'm back with Rush here. I got Gabriel. Uh, I thought he was really good at UCF uh, with Malzahn a, a, as well. And then uh, the previous tenure, and I, I thought he was pretty good at Oklahoma. Unlike yours, I thought he elevated his team to actually keep them in the games while Ewers' team lost games because of Ewers. So I, I, I got Gabriel. I thought when he went down, uh, it really hurt him for, for a couple weeks. But, yeah, I got him at number three. Uh, big year for him in Oklahoma here in year number two in that system. Rush? 
So kind of just along the lines of what Troy's saying, you know, and we've talked about it in previous shows, my last two, uh, both from the state of Kansas. I know it, you're the same with you, Ryan, is obviously Jalen Daniels and Will Howard. Um, I, I have Will Howard ahead for Kansas State because of his success. Who knows, Jalen Daniels would have maybe done just as well. Um, so I'll put Jalen Daniels at number two, but he is entering the Big 12 as, you know, the Big 12 quarterback of the year. So we'll see how that goes. The question is, can he stay healthy? Um, same question with Will Howard. Can he stay healthy as well? Uh, Jalen Daniels, just that dual threat ability is just incredible. He brings a great energy. You can tell when he's in the lineup that Kansas just plays up. And then for Will Howard, I have him at number one. Um, he just, I think he has an excellent mind. I think he has great decision-making. I think he has obviously the number one coach. I think Kansas state can do incredible things this year. Just got to stay healthy with him. So for my my number two, I decided to go with Jalen Daniels. Uh, oh wow, we look, flipped. Oh yeah, super flipped yeah. because uh, one of the guy. I mean, Dylan Gabriel is my number one guy, and that's going to be like a, a a Heisman ticket. You probably want to hold on to. I really, really think that even if Oklahoma is not that great, he really drags that whole team. And I think Jalen does the same thing. It's just more of a. Uh, like showstopper style instead of Dylan Gabriel just kind of wears you down play after play and, you know, really understands what the tempo does to opening people up and when to make big shots. But I, I think Dylan Gabriel might even get a New York invite. Uh, he seems pretty dang good for him to have this much success in, in, in multiple programs and maybe not win and loss wise last year, but you could tell the difference when he wasn't on the field, they had already quit. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, that mm-hmm. that he he definitely elevated his team, and they have no shot or had no shot without him. Um, I have Howard as my number two, just a total winner. Got him better every single year at K-State. Uh, we mentioned it when he took over for Adrian Martinez. They went on their run, uh, won every start down the stretch until Alabama in the Sugar Bowl, made big throws in that TCU game. Uh, he's at number two. I got Jalen Daniels just because his team is not like um, Will Howard's his team literally only relies on Jalen Daniels and Lance Lightbolt's done a great job. It it really started two years ago when he inserted uh, Jalen Daniels as a starter, the last four games of the year, they went to Texas and won. They were competitive down the stretch, almost beat West Virginia in the last game of the year. And he just, he took it into another level this last year. Uh, He was a Heisman candidate the first six games before he got hurt. They won every game and then they couldn't buy a game once he went down. So I got him as number one, and I think he's a lot. He's alive for uh, the Heisman at eighty to one this year. So, yeah, no, it's you go a lot of different ways. A lot of good coaches. A lot, of, and and I think the theme with the quarterbacks this year is who could stay healthy. I think we can all agree with that. I kind of wish we would have done it. No, I'm glad the way we did it because on the individual. But I think what would have been interesting is if you had the coach and quarterback, and you rated them as one. And like, where, like, is this a coach bring up the quarterback or the quarterback bring up the coach? Cause I mean, a couple of these, you know, it's, it's, you got the coach down here, like, you know, with Texas, you got the coach down here and then the quarterback up here and sometimes vice versa. So maybe next year for preseason, we'll, we'll do it that way. Well, if we, if we know who the starters are, (laughs) well, that's, that's fair too. Yeah. So I guess that's, that's part of it. That's the, that's, it's not like the NFL. That's the problem with it is. (laughs) I mean, we don't know half of these start. I mean, we know, but a lot. There's just so much unknown at the bottom half of this quarterback room. So, 
That'll wrap it up for another edition of the Big 12 College Experience. We are back later in the week to preview the top non-con games. Mm. There's a lot of good ones here. Excited for this. Alabama, Texas, uh, the Iowa Bowl, Iowa, Iowa State. Uh, But before, like every show, we get up on out of here. Rush, tell everybody where to find you and tell us about your good work. At Rambling Rush, Twitter, Instagram. Been enjoying some of the engagement lately. Keep reaching out on there. You can also follow me and Ryan on at the Ryan and Rush Show. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's our West Virginia Focus Show. As Again, I'm located in Morgantown. So uh, excited to already almost have week two in the books. And imagine when the games start. Troy? Uh, you can basically just find me on Twitter at, at Troy Tuning, my full name. I mean... It's the most likely chance you get to interact with me just because uh, I'm on it way too much, you know, super (laughs) addict. About to have some sweet uh, weed trimming photos that I have up there on that. If if you're into that thing, check it out, so. If you want some greens, get slide in the DMs of the Big 12 guru. You can find me at Moneyline underscore Mac. Uh, go check out the main show as well, all the all 133 previews, and follow Pick Dundee for Mountain West and Pac-12 Media Day uh, recap. Uh, we'll talk to you later in the week about some non-conference game, but uh, good luck with whatever you're betting on nowadays. The dog days of summer are almost done. Get those and- uh, get those early Heisman tickets in. Go ahead and, and take, you know, Jalen Daniels and Dylan Gabriel and maybe hold on to them first couple of weeks if you're offered a cash out. Take it. Hey, no mine's doubt. fine. The best second uh, second string quarterback. Huh? It's not a bad angle, too. That's what Max Duggan was. Yeah. So. Hey, and don't forget to let it ride.